0: Hello, everybody. Satirius Johnson here. Before we begin this episode, I'd like to say a few words about the COVID-19 outbreak and the California Now podcast. Many of you are likely staying home right now and have made the decision to put off your travel plans for the time being. We think this is a wise decision. Having said that, I'm willing to bet that many of you are eager to get back out in the world, and maybe you're already dreaming about your next California adventure. I know I certainly am. Since so many of you are self-quarantining and may welcome a bit of distraction, we've made the decision to continue producing episodes as the situation allows. This episode is part of a Greatest Hits series that showcases some of the best spots in Southern, Central, and Northern California. We hope you like it, and we hope things feel a little closer to normal again soon. In the meantime, stay safe, and please enjoy this episode of California Now. Welcome to a special edition of California Now, a podcast produced by Visit California. I'm Satirius Johnson. Today, we're highlighting some of the most exciting destinations our show has visited across Southern California. We'll start with the amazing collection of gardens and museums in San Diego's iconic Balboa Park, followed by family-friendly stops at Legoland California and the massive San Diego Zoo Safari Park. The truck
1: drives into the field enclosure, into the habitat there, and the animals come up to it because they know that there's food there and there's fun things to have. So <laughs> it's, it's like being on safari in Africa, but you didn't have to buy the ticket or have your passport.
0: Next, we'll make our way up the coast to Orange County, where the dining options range from Michelin-starred tacos to Vietnamese drinking food.
2: The fact is, Orange County has some of the best food in Southern California.
0: We'll also talk about some great ways to explore Los Angeles without using a car before making our way east through the Inland Empire with a final stop at Sunnylands in Greater Palm Springs. That's all coming up on California Now. Our Southern California Greatest Hits collection begins in San Diego at Balboa Park. Jennifer Davies is the Director of Cultural Tourism at Balboa Park and has a lot of great ideas about how a family with kids can enjoy this sprawling 1,200-acre playground in San Diego. There really, truly is something for everyone in Balboa Park, but let's focus on a a family-friendly day in the park. Let's say... Two parents and two kids visiting San Diego, maybe for the first time. Uh, Where do we start?
3: You have to start at one end or the other end. And the most fun way, if you're driving, is to start an uh, Inspiration Point parking lot. Because there's a tram there that takes you into the park. And I would say... To stop at the first stop which is where you're in the palisades and that's where there is the air and space museum there's the automotive museum and it's actually the future home of the comic-con museum that will be opening up in 2021 but i would definitely for kids the air and space Museum's great there's so much to see there's simulators there's all sorts of things to like see do touch i mean it's you can spend a lot of time in there but it's a great place to start
0: for kids so you mentioned a comic con museum coming up in 2021. I mean, talk about that a little bit. There's going to be an actual museum to what popular culture yeah, it's
3: it's really exciting, actually. And the I mean, the more I talk to the people that are putting it together, the more excited I get about what they're trying to do. It's going to be a game changer in the park. And it's going to be something that people are going to want to see. Because if you go to Comic Con, it'll be Comic Con year round to some extent. <laughs> and so it's both for people that are, you know, steeped in pop culture, but people that are just, you know, have a glancing knowledge and want to see cool stuff. It's going to be pretty amazing.
0: Okay, so let's say our family of four is ready for lunch. Is food available in the park?
3: Yes, there is. Um, there's, There's a number of great, easy places to eat, both within the museums. But one of my favorite places to eat is this place called Panama 66. And it's adjacent to the San Diego Museum of Art, and it's outdoors. And it has, you know, it's sort of farm-to-table, like soups, salads, sandwiches. And it's it's great for, for kids and adults. They have french fries, which is, you know, always a kid favorite. They have a Nutella <laughs> and banana sandwich, which is for kids.
0: That sounds pretty good.
3: They have great craft beer, if you need a little respite <laughs> with the kids. Um, great craft cocktails, um, wine, you know, all the things you would want.
0: Okay, so we finished lunch now you know, we have have a few good hours, you know, before the sun goes down and the kids start getting tired. What are some other attractions we can visit in Balboa Park? I would start just walking down the El Prado, which is sort of
3: like the main drag of Balboa Park. When you see pictures of it, it's, you know, it's all the, you know, that Spanish revival architecture. Um, One great fun place to check out is the Model Railroad Museum. It's it, it's so cool. It's like I think it's the largest model railroad working model railroad museum in the, in the world, at least wow. in the country. Mm-hmm. Um and it's it's all these miniature model railroads and it's it's really cool. And so if you, depending on the age of your kid, like if if you have like a 5-year-old boy even a, or a girl, they'll just be mesmerized for at least an hour just looking at it because there's like buttons you can push and and they the the model railroad it looks like the California railroads. I mean, it's
0: it's really cool. Wow. So so you mean it kind of it reflects like the railroad history of the state?
3: Yes, exactly. It's hard to explain because it's so eye popping. <laughs> it's,
0: it's you have to see it to believe it. Right. Sounds really cool. Um, what's another stop that we can do in Balboa Park uh, before you know we end up we end our day?
3: You're going to be on the El Prado, and you're going to definitely want to stop and look at the the lily pond with your kids. Um, the lily pond and the botanical building. Um, the botanical building is free to go into. It's it has got I think 2,100 different kinds of plants and flowers in there. Um, but there's it's one of the most photographed pl- um, structures in the park, and they have this beautiful um, lily pond in front of it, and that's where everyone gets their you know family photo. It's if you need something for like the holiday card, that's a that's a good place to do it. Um, And there's also, there's always ducks and ducklings there. So for kids, it's, you don't feed them, but it's, it's, it's a pretty cute little place to be. And it's, and it's one of those things where you can kind of walk around, see it and, and kind of move on.
0: It sounds like a great place to take those Instagram photos.
3: Oh, yeah. No, that's like there's there's lots of Instagram worthy places in in, uh, in Balboa Park. That's that's for sure. <laughs> One <laughs> around every corner.
0: <laughs> right, right. So what would be another great place to, to visit while we're in the park?
3: There's there's two actually. There's the Natural History Museum, which has all the, you know, stones and bones you want to see. Um, and really, it looks at the at the stones and bones of, you know, our uh, the binational uh, region here. And then you have the flight, Fleet Science Center uh, across the way. So you, you kind of have to, like, you know, a, a choose your own adventure, which one you want to do if you can fit both in. Um, and it, that would be hard because they are both has, have a lot to do and see.
0: I also talked with spokesman and ambassador Rick Schwartz about some of the special animal experiences available to visitors at both the San Diego Zoo and its sister property in Escondido, the San Diego Zoo Safari Park. And I asked him to share a few of his best recommendations.
1: Oh my goodness! The best way to present that is to say that they are uh, they are always changing. So uh, for anybody listening now, whatever I might tell you about, please double check with the website because a lot of these tours change as our animals change. So at the Safari Park, one of my favorites is our, our Caravan Safari. For those who aren't familiar with uh, the difference between the zoo and safari park, the zoo is 100 acres near downtown uh, San Diego. The safari park is about a 45, 50-minute drive to the north, and it's about 1,800 acres, so much, much larger. One habitat for the animals might be 50 to 60 acres. Wow. So the caravan safari, you get to get in the back of a truck with a guide and about again 10, 14 other people depending on how many people bought into the tour and the truck drives into the field enclosure into the habitat there and the animals come up to it because they know that uh, there's food there and there's fun things to have so <laughs> it's it's like being on safari in Africa but you didn't have to buy the ticket or have your passport so <laughs> that's um, you know it's all these great experiences and I can't say it enough you got to go to the website and check out what some of these options are for these tours because another one I'll get is, is well what's, your, what's the best one and it's like well the best one really is what speaks to you and your personal interest. If you want to learn more about koalas, there's probably a behind-the-scenes tour for koalas that includes a few other Australian animals. Maybe your thing is you really want to be around giraffe. Well, there's probably a tour for that, too, to your own personal
0: interest. Do you have any pro tips for visitors? Is there a best time of day to visit, or is there some hidden gem at either of these parks people really should know about? Uh, Here's a pro
1: tip. If you have a favorite animal, go see it first. If there's a must-see animal on your list, like I don't care what else we see as long as we see the lions today, go there first. Because most animals are going to be pretty much their most active in the morning and the evening hours. Midday, they're going to be taking their siesta. They're smart. It's (laughs) time to take a nap in the middle of the day. It's a natural thing for them. So first thing, plot out, no matter what's closest or whatever, if you have a a must-see animal, go see it first. And that way, if for any reason that animal isn't out at that time, or uh, maybe they aren't active at that time, you can plan to come back in about an hour, go see some other things and come back in an hour to see if they're active yet. Um, but if you wait till later in the day, a lot of times the animals are sleeping midday or at the end of day, or you're exhausted by the end of day and you're like, you know what, I don't want to walk all the way over there to see them. Um, so that's my pro tip there, comfortable shoes, go see your favorite animal first. Um, another pro tip, if you're going to go to the zoo, we have a guided bus tour. Um, and at the Safari Park, we have the guided tram tour that are part of your purchase getting into the facilities. Go on that early, uh, maybe right after seeing your favorite animal. Go on that t- tram ride or the bus ride early in the day because the longer the day goes on, the longer the line gets, and you end up spending more and more time in line waiting for the tour than you would being out and about seeing things. So to avoid getting uh, losing time in line, I always recommend go there early. And then, of course, it's San Diego. We have wonderful, mild temperatures all day long, but the sun will get you, especially if you're from out of town and you're not used to it. You think, oh, I'm cool. I'm fine. I don't need sunscreen. So comfortable shoes and sunscreen. Listen to your mom. She was
0: right. Not far from the Safari Park in Carlsbad is Legoland, California. As Lego master builder P.J. Catalano explains, Legoland is a fantastic place for the young at heart.
4: The park is designed and geared towards kids ages 2 to 12. We call it the first for everything. We want this park for the first time they see something, first time they've been on a roller coaster. You're not going to go upside down, but the kids are going to find it exciting. It's the first time they've gotten their driver's license, the first time they drive a car. Uh, but at that, with that said, it's also for families. And I see adults coming in all the time. I see chaperones coming in all the time and having a blast and having so much fun on the rides, enjoying the foods. We have over 60 rides, shows, and attractions. Though it is geared for 2 to 12, it is enjoyable for all
0: ages. So you know, even though I haven't been to Legoland California, I have heard there's an area of the park called Miniland USA, and it's it's kind of like a, a Lego production of all sorts of destinations and attractions, places like Grand Central Terminal in New York City and Hollywood. Uh, can you can you talk a little bit about Miniland USA?
4: Yeah, so Miniland USA is probably the heart and soul of Legoland California Resort, as it is with all the other Legolands also. Um, it's the, located in the center of the park. It's a very large area. It takes up a good portion of the park where you have to walk. You get to walk through and see all different clusters we made that represent the different parts of the USA. So we have things like a New York cluster. We have our so- Southern California cluster, our Northern California cluster, uh, Washington, D.C. We've got uh, Vegas and New Orleans. So we've got a lot going on and a lot to see and a lot of new stuff to check out.
0: And so these are like cityscapes that are built out of Lego blocks. I mean, what kind of what scale are we talking about here? Are we like looking down onto these things, or or how big are they?
4: Well, you're literally walking through these cities. Um, So the the clusters are separated by paths. You can see each cluster. Individualized, and you get to see how we represented each of the cities from there. So, for example, our New York cluster has a One World Trade Center. It's our tallest building. It stands at over 25 feet tall. Huh. Uh, it's actually the tallest Lego building in North America. Huh. Um, and then, right, we have the entire skyline following out from there um, down to a little mini lander walking around the streets of New York, cars driving by, taxis driving by. And the mini lander could be, they're about uh, four or five, six inches tall. Um, so, to give you an idea of the Of the size of it but you're walking through this very large area of each one of these cities
0: that's really cool and so you're saying they're actually like little cars driving on the streets and things like that
4: yep so we like to actually animate as much as we can so throughout these cities we have moving cars we've got moving people marching bands fun little things throughout the buildings little stuff moving here or there dancers just to kind of give it a little more life a little more adventure a little more excitement so we always have these neat little stories to be told in there and to look for
0: yeah, that sounds really great. You know, if for people like me, say, who, who really want to gawk at the Lego creations throughout the park, where would you send me to see some of the coolest constructs?
4: I don't think there's anything that you wouldn't be amazed at. I think one of the most popular and one of my favorite things would probably be a Lego City Deep Sea Adventure submarine ride. So it's our first and only underwater ride. Uh, it's it's a, over a four-minute ride. It's really interesting. Um, there's hidden gems everywhere. Literally, there's hidden gems um, that you're supposed to go on as an interactive ride. So when you find these gems, you get to click on a screen and you get to uh, pick them out and, and find them for your treasure hunt. Uh, and the other really neat thing about that is that the models, handling models underwater is very difficult. They float. So we actually had to design them with actually air channels throughout it so we can actually let the air out and get them underwater easily and actually install them correctly. So it's been a really neat process trying to learn it. So that's definitely probably the, the one you got to check out because it's got a lot of... A lot of stuff to see, a lot of like new technology, a lot of new standards and and things. So definitely worth checking out.
0: Now let me get this straight. So are you as a guest actually going underwater in some sort of submarine thing, or are you seeing it from like an aquarium standpoint, or is it like a virtual experience? What exactly is it?
4: No. So this one is an actual submarine ride. So you're actually getting inside of a submarine that is underwater, and you actually go around the actual lake, and you see what's you see all the miles, you see all the fish, the live fish that are in there, the sharks and the rays, and um, there's an interactive screen on your little submarine, and I think I believe there's uh, eight interactive screens, and you get to find the hidden treasure chests that you're looking for and finding. And when you see something out in the water, you click on it on your screen. So it's a really neat concept. Uh, it's been our most popular thing, so you have to check it out for sure.
0: Orange County boasts more than forty miles of pristine coastline and numerous popular beaches. And if you ask LA Times food writer Lucas Kwan Peterson, who hosts the video series Off Menu, he'll tell you it's also an incredible place to get a bite to eat.
2: You know, Orange County is is a a real mystery to a lot of Los Angelinos. It's kind <laughs> of a place that 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 people don't really know beyond going to Disneyland or beyond, you know, the Real Housewives franchise. And <laughs> but the fact is Orange County has some of the best food in Southern California. Wow, really? Absolutely. It is incredibly rich. And it's, uh, so when you get in your car and you drive, you know, maybe 40 minutes southeast, you suddenly find yourself in, uh, in particular, what we're highlighting on the show is an area called Little Saigon, which is, uh, it sort of comprises the cities of Westminster and Garden Grove. And there is an incredible Vietnamese food scene there, just the best in the country, bar none, possibly the world outside of Vietnam.
0: That's amazing. Wow. So, okay, so you have to tell us some places and or some dishes. What are some of the places that people must try if they're in Orange County?
2: There's a wonderful place that a chef named Sean Pham took me to during the episode. It's and I. I don't. I don't think I'm pronouncing it right, but it's called Bien Hen. B i e n h e n, and their specialty is Vietnamese drinking food. So you know, whatever you eat when you're in Hanoi or Ho Chi Minh City, and you're uh, and you're drinking beer, and you're 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 basically devouring snails and you're devouring what well, sort of the centerpiece of the episode is this incredible catfish. So they do these fried catfishes. And if, if you've had Vietnamese cuisine before, you know that, that, that the emphasis is, uh, really you know balancing light and heavy and so you've got these all these incredible fresh herbs and rice paper that you're you know creating these rolls with with this tender flaky juicy catfish meat and it's it's truly wonderful there's this other place that we go to during the episode again I forgive the pronunciation but they serve Ban Kwon in the place called bon Quan lu luen L-U-U-L-U-Y-E-N. And it's a fantastic restaurant uh, is run by a young woman named Delina Ta, and it started in her family's home. And they were uh, they were preparing bu- these rice sheets. So these rolls that are filled with pork and filled with herbs or these rice sheets that almost look like a ravioli it would be sort of the reference for people who haven't seen it, but inside would be ground pork or ground shrimp. So it's a wonderful story, and it's also just uh, incredible food, uh, very inexpensive, very fresh, uh, very delicious.
0: Another must-have on your Southern California adventure, tacos. Courtney O'Dell, a blogger and self-described travel-obsessed foodie, tells us some of Orange County's most outstanding come from Taco Maria, a Michelin-starred restaurant in Costa Mesa.
5: Taco Maria was one of the highlights of the trip for sure. I've spent a lot of time in Costa Mesa. I love every time we get to visit Orange County. And you might not think of Orange County as one of the up-and-coming food spots, but you should. Orange County has so many delicious restaurants, and Taco Maria at the mix just blew our minds.
0: What does a taco restaurant that has a Michelin star, what does it do that takes it to that level?
5: the flavors that we had in these tacos were insane. So all of the tortillas at Taco Maria are pretty much the same. They're a, it's a little bit thick. It's a blue corn tortilla, and every taco starts on that, which was kind of neat because we were able to compare the different flavors. Then we had a black cod taco. We had a vegetable taco. We had a pork belly taco. They just blew our minds. The flavors that you had with them just weren't necessarily things that I would think of. The uh, Tocino tacos with pork were topped with like a pear slaw that cut through the really fattiness of the pork and brought this like bright, sweet mix to it that helped you get through. So it didn't seem overwhelming. Um, We had a chicken mole taco that had really, really beautiful mole sauce. I could have had like, I could have ordered the sauce on the side and just drank it with a straw. It was so good the vegetarian tacos with a mushroom chorizo it was such an interesting flavor it tasted like meat i knew it was a mushroom chorizo but just there was a, a there was a meaty bite to the taco that if you were vegetarian if you're vegan you were able to get that really hearty filling bite into your taco and it really tasted meaty and the black cod tacos it was a simple fried piece of black cod that stayed crispy through the whole taco It had grapes and cabbage and scallion aioli. It was so beautiful. My husband, in the middle of it, stopped taking a bite and said that it was transcendent. And he kept saying it over and over. The black cod taco at Taco Maria was just one of our absolute
0: favorite bites of the trip. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, Anywhere else in the OC that stood out?
5: We went to Playa Mesa for dinner and had a sampling of their tacos, and it was unreal. They had great cocktails. The vibe was great. There were a lot of people that were coming in to listen to music and hang out after work. All of their tacos were great, but I'm actually going to recommend a dessert at Playa Mesa and Costa Mesa. Chef had a tasting flight of paletas for us, which are little lollipops he actually mixed gelatin into the lollipops so they don't melt as quickly so they were sitting on our table and we got to sample them and it took about 10-15 minutes for them to melt so we could really like work slowly on them it was the greatest way to finish a meal they were light and sweet but not too sweet it went with the tacos perfectly we were beyond stuffed and when he brought it out we were a little scared like oh we can't eat even a drop more but it was the perfect way to end a meal. It was, it was nice, sweet, crisp, everything you wanted in just a really unique popsicle.
0: Los Angeles Proper covers some 500 square miles, And one surprising way you can experience it is to park the car and get out on a hike or bike ride. Elizabeth Conway, a tour guide with Bikes and Hikes LA, tells us an excursion on foot can be one of the best ways to get a picturesque view of the region. One option even takes you to a close-up view of the famous Hollywood sign.
6: This one is launching, um, at 10 in the morning. We meet in the iconic Griffith Park, um, and we're going up to the top of Mount Hollywood in Griffith Park, uh, one of the tallest peaks in the park where you're going to get some spectacular views of all of LA County. Um, but the other cool thing is that we also launched this hike at sunset. Um, so if you've, you know, seen La La Land or or heard about like the magic hour or golden hour, (laughs) you are going to get some of the prettiest, most like breathtaking views um, you will ever see. You're going to be seeing the Greek theater. You're going to be seeing the Hollywood sign. You're going to get an insider tour of the Griffith Observatory afterwards.
0: That's amazing.
6: And what I love the most about this hike is that It takes that big urban sprawl and it condenses it. So you've got a bird's eye view of neighborhood to neighborhood. And it kind of, you know, it makes your world feel a little smaller when you can be like, there's downtown and there's Koreatown and there's Hollywood. And somewhere out there is the Pacific Ocean and Catalina and all that. Uh, And to be able to sort of situate yourself and feel kind of anchored like, oh, I know what I'm doing.
0: All right, let's 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 shift gears for a minute and talk about your bike tours. I saw on your website that you have something called the LA in a day bike tour. That sounds re- pretty ambitious.
6: Oh, yeah. <laughs> our LA in a day tour is a six hour long bike tour. So again, it's, it's,
0: it's a commitment. It's a commitment. Mm-hmm.
6: Thank you. <laughs> it is a commitment. <laughs> um, but you're going to start at 10 in the morning. You're going to be back at our main headquarters uh, around 5 p.m. And then you're going to eat a huge, huge, huge dinner and reward yourself. So um, <laughs> it's not going to eat up your fun evening plans. Um, and it's also not at the crack of dawn. So you have time to eat a big breakfast and then hop on a bike because you are going to be biking for 32 miles.
0: And you you guys provide the bikes, right? You don't have to come with a bike.
6: Oh, my goodness. Yes. We have a wonderful <laughs> fleet of bikes, um, pedal bikes and pedal assist electric bikes. Um, oh, that's good mm-hmm, so none of our guests need to provide their own bike. We provide the bike, we provide the helmet. Um, we we get you all hooked up um, in a fashionable safety vest, obviously. <laughs> um, and um, it's all we're a we are a one-stop shop.
0: That sounds great. So what are some of the highlights of the uh, LA in a day bike tour?
6: Um, I would say my personal favorite parts of the LA in a day tour, are seeing some of the magnificent estates up in Holmby Hills and Bel Air um, because those some of those houses just knock your socks off. Um, I am a sucker for the beach, so Venice <laughs> and Santa Monica are just incredible. Um, and and just being outside, the way your your muscles feel that sort of wonderfully rewarding exhaustion afterwards and just the sense of accomplishment mm. that's and the pictures of course um right right those are those are definite highlights for me
0: so when you say um you know you get to see some of these magnificent estates are do you actually get to go inside of them or are you just kind of biking by them
6: one of our big 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 jewels on our la in a day tour is a In addition to all of the biking that you're going to be doing, you're going to be walking through one of the most famous mansions in Beverly Hills, um, Greystone Mansion, um, which has been the filming location of so many movies and TV shows, you'll recognize it instantly.
0: I'm guessing you must take during the six hours more than a few breaks in cycling, Mm -hmm. right?
6: Absolutely. This is a guided tour, so you're going to be getting history and and trivia and, you know, your guide's going to be pointing out historic and significant locations. And then we also do break for lunch um, halfway throughout the day on beautiful Venice Beach. Uh, it truly doesn't get better than that.
0: A unique quality of hotels in Los Angeles, as Travel and Leisure magazine notes, is that the bars and lobbies, dining rooms and pool sides function as main drags and town squares. I asked Travel and Leisure editor-in-chief Jackie Gifford about the etiquette when you're popping into an L.A. hotel to see if any celebrities are around. Is it best to buy something like a drink or a bite while you're there?
7: I think you have to buy something. You don't have to, you know, you're not, you don't have to order a bottle of Dom Perignon or something like that. You could get, you know, you could get like a tea or a Diet Coke. And, but I think it's kind of the right thing to do, especially as, you know, hotels are really beautifully designed spaces, right? And as we all sort of do this work from home or work remotely thing, increasingly you're going to see, people going to hotels to work. And and we've noticed that, you know, when you look at what's happening at, at brands like the Polly House in West Hollywood, for example, like that 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 property gets a ton of local traffic and people just kind of hanging out in the lobby, working, socializing, having a tea, having a Diet Coke, and then you, you could sit there for hours. So I do think there's, but I do think when you, if you're choosing to just be in this environment, you, you kind of have to order something, right? No one wants to just like have somebody just sitting there doing nothing. Um, right. But that's 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 what I believe. That's that's kind of the proper etiquette.
0: Yeah, I I think that's that's the right thing to do. Um, So let's talk about a few specific properties, uh, what they're like and what sort of locals they draw in. So why don't we start with the Beverly Hills Hotel?
7: Yeah, so I love this this property. I stayed there years ago. You know, it's um, it's it's a property that I think you know, really captures the old school, you know, glamorous vibe of Beverly Hills. And you've got, you know, one of the, the restaurants there is called the Fountain Coffee Room. And it's like this this retro themed diner. And it's just a place where literally on a Sunday, you're going to see or on the weekend, you're going to see people going there and having breakfast or lunch. And it's definitely not just for tourists. And then of course, there's the Polo Lounge, which was kind of the place for, for power lunches for years. And My husband and I stayed at the Beverly Hills Hotel actually one New Year's Eve a few years back. And we walked in and I'm like, oh, there's Mary-Kate Olsen. Oh, there she is hanging out. Oh, there's Jennifer (laughs) Aniston. Oh, so it's like that kind of a place, which is why it's so special. And yeah, it's an icon.
0: And, and it's in a kind of place that you can kind of insert yourself into that that whole scene, right? Without av- actually living there. Just you can go visit the hotel. Yeah. You know, even if you're not staying there, you can go, let's go have a meal or let's go have a drink at, at that hotel. And maybe we'll, you know, experience a little Hollywood magic.
7: That's it. That's it. It's all about <laughs> that Hollywood magic.
0: <laughs> what about the Hotel Bel Air? I heard it's really worth going there for brunch.
7: It is. And what I think is, so the Wolfgang Puck restaurant there is the place. So my husband and I were there. Ooh. Three years ago, for dinner with our son, and we saw Geraldo Rivera. There he was with his entire family, and it was like it was a total scene. So the Bel Air, it's just it's tucked away amongst these canyons, and it has this in, in, in the middle of the neighborhood of in the region of Bel Air. But they've got these amazing um, gardens, and they're famous for their swans. And you see them when you walk into the hotel, and it's very hushed. It's very discreet. You know, Bel Air is one of the most exclusive areas of Los Angeles. And so the clientele, you know, it, it kind of feels like feels like a little chic club in a way, not exclusionary in any way, because it's a hotel and obviously everybody is welcome. But it just has a, it just has a little bit of hushed glamour to it, if that makes any sense.
0: <laughs> very, very, very subtle, but very also very posh.
7: Subtle glamour, yes.
0: Yeah, <laughs> there's also the Sunset Tower Hotel. It sounds like the the Tower Bar. There is a great spot to get a bite, maybe even spot a celebrity.
7: Yeah, that's so. That's an Art Deco landmark. The, you know, from hotelier Jeff Klein, he's reinvented it, and it really they're so strict about their you know, privacy, no phones, no, um, you know, that when celebrities go to the the tower bar, like you are not going to have your privacy be invaded at all. And I think that that's really special. And I think, you know, you have to understand that, you know, for people who live in the spotlight, you know, they're normal people too, and they just want to go and have a cocktail or just have you right. know, a glass of wine and not be bothered. And so I think what what Jeff did and why that hotel is so special is they were so strict about you know people not bothering celebrities and in, in so doing he got this cult following and what's what's really amazing about it now is that you know it continues to be that way and they recently did a renovation and I think what's what's really beautiful about this property is that it continues to evolve continues to tweak the design but it's still not you know it still holds true to that sort of like private discreet, um, you know, very, very sophisticated tone.
0: East of Los Angeles, the relaxed mountain town of Idlewild, stands out for its great art scene, local music offerings, tasty bites, and easy access to hiking and outdoor fun. Travel writer Anne-Marie Brown tells us what first-time visitors can look forward to there.
8: There's plenty of outdoor activities to do in Idlewild. For one thing, it gets snow in the wintertime. So if if you live in Los Angeles and you have a desire to go throw a snowball at your friends, uh, it's a great place to do that. There's a ton of hiking trails. It is on the backside of Mount San Jacinto State Park. So there's an awful lot of hiking to do there. Rock climbing is very popular there. And honestly, if you just like to sit at a bed and breakfast and, and look at pretty scenery, it's great for that too.
0: Who else is likely to, to visit this part of the world, and, and what are they there to do? do? Do snowbirds go there? Is it just people who love to be in the mountains?
8: Yeah, you know, if you live in, out in any of the desert regions, or even if you're visiting the desert regions, Palm Springs, Palm Desert, anywhere in the Coachella Valley, of course, in the summertime, it gets quite hot. And with about an hour's drive, you can be up out of that, in in maybe 75, 80 degree temperatures, and enjoying mountain scenery, Idawild is in Riverside County. It's an unincorporated town in Riverside County. In fact. Uh, I I think maybe this is the best way to characterize Wild. The mayor is actually a dog. Um, It's a golden retriever. (laughs) He's a golden retriever. His name's Max. Um, He has a website. It's mayormax.com. And and that kind of tells you a little bit about the spirit of the town. Um, Not only is it just a very relaxed place to get out of the heat, to just enjoy mountain scenery, but it's also very, very artsy. Wild has an arts academy, a residential arts high school. It has a summer concert series. It's home to the Wild Master Chorale.
0: That sounds great. Is there like a downtown area to Wild?
8: There is. And and there are a lot of highlights in that little town town. It's not very big. Um, Wild's population is pretty small. It's about 4,000 people. But there's several good restaurants. It's definitely set up for people to come visit. A lot of good places to eat. A winery, a wine tasting room. um, That's also an art gallery. And there's some really fun and funky shops for vintage shopping. But most people are going to go there. And at the very least, they're going to take a walk. Maybe not a big serious hike, but at least a small walk. There's a lot of easy trails that are accessed right from town. There's a park in town called Humber Park. Taking a hike should be number one on your list when you go to Idlewild, for sure. And if you just want an easy stroll, maybe something you could take your dog companion with you or your children, the Ernie Maxwell Scenic Trail leads right from town. It's an out-and-back of about four miles, not a lot of climbing. And it's just a a great leg-stretching walk to get a look at the scenery. But Idlewild also has some very famous hikes, the ones that are on every L.A. hiker's bucket list. Uh, a lot of people want to do Tuckett's Peak. Tuckett's Peak is—it's almost 9,000 feet in elevation. It's, I believe, 8,850, um, and it towers over the San Jacinto Wilderness. has an amazing view from its lookout tower, fire lookout tower on the top. Uh, that's a longer hike. That's about nine mm-hmm. miles, but you're you're hiking through beautiful pine forest the whole way, and at the top you get an amazing panorama at the at the top. Uh, you can see the Salton Sea and the desert, San Diego's mountain ranges. So that's a real special one. And, you know, I think the biggest reason people come to Idlewild is kind of to turn off all the the noise. It's a small town, and they're proud of their small town. So it's the kind of place where, yeah, you might just kick back in a bed and breakfast and really not do a whole lot and still have a fantastic weekend.
0: Our last Southern California stop today is Sunnylands, an historic 200-acre estate exemplifying mid-century modern design in the Coachella Valley. Director Janice Lyle tells us about Sunnylands' extraordinary art collection and broad appeal.
9: Every single thing that was in the house that is not an impressionist or post-impressionist painting remains in the house and is authentic and original. So there's a Rodin sculpture of Eve. there are two beautiful arp sculptures, um, and and a range of um, specialized Chinese cloisonne and, and porcelain objects, as well as Tong figures. Um, but the, the Impressionist and Post-Impressionist paintings are actually represented in the way that they were represented at the end of Mrs. Annenberg's lifetime. So when Walter Annenberg died, those paintings all needed to go to the Met um, permanently. And the Metropolitan Museum created digital reproductions on canvas um, in period frames that were to remind Mrs. Annenberg of her beloved paintings for the rest of her life. So those digital reproductions hung for the last seven years in the house um, before Mrs. Annenberg died in 2009, and we made the decision to keep them there because the relationship of all the objects and the furnishings requires some connection to those overwhelmingly important aesthetic works that have been part of the, of the space. So
0: for the visitor center and garden, you're good to go. But for the historic estate tour, to actually go inside the house and experience that interior, you'll need to plan ahead and get one of the limited tickets available, right?
9: We release tickets two weeks before the month That you might want to visit. So, on January 15th, for example, all of the February tickets will be released. And at 9 a.m. Pacific time, people throughout the world go (laughs) online and purchase the tickets for the following month. We have a very unique method for touring we do 18 tours a day they leave every 15 minutes but there are only seven people on a tour with a paid guide and so you have the opportunity to feel like you're a guest of the Annenbergs um, while you go through a 90-minute tour of the estate in the house
0: that's really great it almost sounds like you're getting a private tour in a way
9: you you quite honestly are and so um, that's the way you can see the house and the interior and the furnishings, etc. What,
0: what is, What's the garden like? What are the grounds like?
9: The public side, the center in gardens, is a 15-acre public space meant to give people the um, aesthetic experience of beauty in the landscape, in the desert based on using only arid landscape plants. And so we have 53,000 arid landscape plants that have been um, planted in a design that actually echoes brush strokes on a canvas. Hmm. And so there's a massing of plants, each with a different color or texture or form. Um, that form the the art garden that this is and so people can come and see that Um, it changes color every month of the year it it is an incredibly satisfying um, desert landscape
0: we hope you enjoyed our audio tour around southern california california now is produced by visit california i'm your host satirius johnson You can find more episodes of our show on iTunes and Stitcher. Please subscribe. And you can find links to the many places we talked about in today's episode on our website, visitcalifornia.com slash podcast. Our next episode picks up where this one leaves off, with highlights throughout Central California. After that, we'll round out the trilogy in Northern California, giving you a comprehensive look at this vast and magnificent state. Until next time.